Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I'm going to continue with my theme of focusing on the goodness of God. And I've reminded you all before that the early church fathers had a sort of a thing that they had all their disciples and people who were going to teach and their students and things go through. Before they opened the scriptures, before they looked to find something to teach to their group, they all agreed to only take things and only teach things that were in line with God is good, God is only good, God is always good to all people. If there was something they saw in Scripture that was not good about God, not according to Jesus, who is the exact representation of God, then they knew that was not an accurate portrayal of God, so they didn't teach on that. And that's a really good thing for us to do today. That sort of eliminates all the questions of, well, yeah, I know God is good, but what about? All those what about verses, if we do what the early church fathers did, we just say, well, there's a problem there somewhere. Either it's a bad translation, either it wasn't in there to begin with, or it's been added, or it's been changed, or the people who wrote that didn't actually know God. As Jesus said, no one did when he came. So it's good for us to focus on the goodness of God, and that God is only good and always good to all people. Now, it's interesting to find out that people of different faith backgrounds than some of us uh, have had came to that conclusion apart from being taught from European Christians. For instance, in the United States, where I live, the indigenous Native Americans one of the tribes, they, they all pretty much, pretty much felt the same thing, but one of the tribes, the Cheyenne tribe, their account of creation is very, very similar to the Old Testament creation story. Their name for God was Maio, M-A-H-E-O, Maio. And here's what they said. Here was their belief. Maio is still with us. He is everywhere watching all his people in all the creation he has made, Maio is all good and all life. He is the creator, the guardian, and the teacher. We are all here because of Maio. They viewed God centuries before European Christians came to try to convert them to their view of God. They viewed God as all good and with them, and community with them, teaching them, and guarding them. And that's exactly what the early church fathers in Christianity believed. Now, Christianity, much of Christianity, especially evangelical Christianity, has changed that thinking and distorted it into saying, well, God is good, but, you know, he can be real bad, too. 
Now, the word that Jesus used when he used the word good, he spoke Aramaic, and that's a derivative of Hebrew. That word meant a whole variety of things. It meant kind. It meant kindness in action. It meant love being useful to us in the now. It meant radiant beauty. It meant infinite, never-failing, never-ending, self-giving, giving only good gifts. It meant pleasant, delightful. It meant the source of delight. It meant caring and protecting and nurturing and parenting and guarding. There was never any concept or thought with Jesus that God was less than good. And God was believed to be, truthfully, rightfully, to be immutable or unable to be changed. God is good, always good, always good to all people, always. And that never changes because God never changes. Now, in my former career, and I still play some music, but when I was a professional musician and playing with my band, we'd, we would play a lot of dances and concerts and different things. And inevitably, no matter what our age was, it could have been in our 20s all the way up into our 50s when I still played full time, and I still play some, and I still have this happen. People will come up and say, you boys are pretty good. Well, we never took that as being a compliment. Pretty good to us conveys, well, you're okay, I guess, but not really good, just pretty good. And some people tend to think of God that way. Well, God is pretty good, you know, but not really good all the time. He can be not so good, and you've got to watch out for that. No, God is not pretty good. God is good, period. When you're aware of being in the presence of the only good God, the only true God, as Jesus calls him, when you're aware of being in the presence of God, it's always good. Here's a telltale way to know that you have experienced and encountered the only true God, Jesus, Papa, and Grace, as opposed to a counterfeit. When you are in the presence of the only true God, you never feel afraid, you never feel condemned, you never feel not good enough, you never feel sad, you never feel ill at ease, you never feel uncomfortable, you never feel like you're depraved or a worm or despicable or a rotten sinner who was born as a sinner and always going to be a sinner. You never feel like God can't stand to be around you. You never have doubts about God or yourself. You never feel convicted of sin. You are always, when you're in the presence of the only true God, you're always at peace. You're always thankful and grateful. You're always full of joy. God always encourages and builds up. And the Holy Spirit, I can quote your scriptures on this. I'm not going to right now. But the Holy Spirit ministers the truth about who we are in Christ. And it's all good. It's not like you have an experience, you spend time with, you hear from the only true God, and then somebody says, wow, how was it? And you go, oh, pretty good. <laughs> like, yeah, well, it was, it was just okay. No, never will you feel like that in the presence of the only true God. That feeling anything less than euphoric during or after an experience and encounter with the only true God, God who is good, only good, always good to all people, just doesn't happen. And God's goodness is never, ever dependent on 
our actions. That's good news. If it did, that wouldn't be pure love. It would be a different kind of love, eros love, that says, well, yeah, I love you as long as you please me, but when you don't, then all bets are off. No, no, God is always good. God's love never fails. I want to go back to the Cheyenne. Maheo is still with us. He's everywhere watching all his people and all the creation he's made. Maheo is all good and all life. He's the creator, the guardian, and the teacher. We are all here because of Maheo. They had no concept of hell or eternal conscious torment. They knew God, the great spirit, as only good and always good, the giver of life. My friend Malcolm Smith, teaching about the goodness of God, says, you take away the goodness of God and you have no God. Yeah. Let's look at one of the most memorable and traditional Jewish passages of Scripture, Psalm 23, 23rd Psalm. King David wrote that. At this period in time, we believe that he was at his lowest ever. He was the king of Israel. It was the world superpower at the time. He was a great warrior, and he'd, you know, he'd built the country up and everything. But he had his enemies, including one of his own sons. And at this period of time, his son had taken over the country, run King David out of Jerusalem, turned people against him. And David's hiding in a cave with just a few loyalists there. And he's actually surrounded by enemies. And here's what he writes. He wrote the 23rd Psalm, uh, probably 22, 23, 24, 25, and some others What while he was there hiding out. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Here he is, hiding out, fearful for his life. He says, He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you, Lord, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, we need never fear evil. God has defeated, Jesus has defeated all evil. He says in verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I believe what that means is is that it's at the great banquet table where people who used to think they were enemies with each other are now sitting at the Lord's table and celebrating with each other and the great restoration of all people. He says, you have anointed my head with oil. And oil is, uh, in the Old Testament Hebrew writing, it was synonymous with spirit. You've anointed me with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was the one who came anointed in the spirit. He said, my cup overflows That's what grace is. Grace is always much more than we can imagine, than we could dream about, that we could even think about, much more than we can use. My cup overflows. He says, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely God's goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Just as a little aside, another psalm that David wrote, Psalm 136, it has 26 verses in it. And in every verse, David says, God is good and easy to please. His loving kindness continues forever. 
26 times, 26 verses in a row. He's just hammering away. He says, I want you to get it. God is good and easy to please. He's not fickle. He's not bad. He's not keeping a list of wrongs. He's not impossible to please. No, he's good and he's easy to please. The Passion Translation says Psalm 23, 6 this way. So why would I fear the future? Your goodness and tender love pursue me, (coughs) pursue me all the days of my life. Goodness, God's goodness pursues him. And then he said, then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Now, that English word that we translate pursue in the language, Hebrew language that David wrote, it meant to run after, to pursue ardently, to relentlessly follow. He said, surely, or for sure, or indeed, the goodness of God will ardently pursue, run after, relentlessly follow me, and then I will return to the Lord. Return where he came from to begin with, before he was born in his mother's womb. King David wrote and spoke and communicated the truth. He was arguably the greatest communicator of God's love and goodness and grace prior to Christ. He wrote 150 Psalms, and his continual theme was the goodness of God, even especially in the light of our human screw-ups, and he had them. I mean, he said in all kinds of different songs, especially Psalm 103, but many others, he talked about how God has already taken care of our sin. He's put it as far away as the east is from the west, which they never meet. Now, David was arguably the greatest communicator in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant time. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul was arguably the greatest communicator. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, two-thirds of the books. Paul, you may remember, originally named Saul, had the most dramatic revelation and change of mind imaginable. Then he became, instead of persecuting Jesus and the church, he became the champion of God's love and grace and goodness and light to all people. Now, Paul went around, he had three missionary journeys around the uh, known world at that time, and he started numerous churches during those journeys. And most of the time, he would get a church going, it would go really well. He communicated with them about God's love and grace and light and goodness, and then he would leave. He would uh, have people take over the church. And then after he was gone, religious stormtroopers came to proselytize or convert or attempt to change the minds of those people who believed in the only true God and to get them to believe in their version of a not-so-good God that was impossible to please, that had all these rules and regulations. And in essence, they said, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is pretty good, but not good enough because you got to do all of these things. It was sort of a reverse metanoia. We know that metanoia is changing our mind from believing bad things about God to believing good things. Well, these guys just did it in a reverse. They said, no, no, you, you think God's better than he is. you got to realize he's not that good, and you got to do all these things. Of course, Paul, <laughs> that drove Paul berserk. He had some choice words for them, even in Scripture. Now, Paul addressed that in his letters to the different ones of the churches, but especially here in the letter he wrote to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 4.29. Now, this is a passage that has almost, I've rarely, rarely, rarely heard anybody teach correctly on this. The best translation of this passage, my opinion, is the old King James. And I don't say that often, but it's true here. Ephesians 4.29, this is Paul speaking. He says, 
let no corrupt communication. Now, remember, Paul was the greatest communicator in the New Testament. He said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only communication that is intrinsically good to the use of edifying or building people up so it will minister grace to those who hear it. Now, God's goodness and grace and light, they're all facets of God's agape love. And they're intrinsic. That means belonging to the real nature of a thing, not dependent on external circumstances or things like that. God is intrinsically good. Thank you, God, that you are, that you never change. And he's good not because of our actions or our keeping rules or our efforts to please him. No, he's good, period, no matter what we do. So Paul's writing to a good church here in Ephesus. They started out great, like our church today and maybe some of yours. But they're continually confronted, since Paul left there, with religious counterfeit, with Judaizers, with people who come in with the dark darkness doctrine. And Paul says, no, no, don't listen to that. He's saying that to us too. Don't do corrupt communication. Instead, give good communication, true communication about God being good and pure love and light and inclusion. That builds people up and administers grace to people who hear. Don't minister or teach or proclaim anything that even suggests that God is not good. See, when you teach and speak that God is not good in any way, that doesn't build people up. It tears them down and makes them afraid. It doesn't minister grace. It ministers law, which condemns and kills. Verse 30 of Ephesians 4, he said, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Friends, the Holy Spirit of God, contrary to what you might have heard in the church house down the street, the Holy Spirit of God is not grieved by our actions, by lying, cheating, stealing, whatever, things like that. Of course, God knows that that's not the best for us, but those things do not grieve God. I mean, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows that all those things have already been forgiven. The things that religion calls sin, that doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit. What grieves the Holy Spirit and what grieved Jesus during his ministry here on earth was people who claimed to know what God was like people who were in positions of leadership and authority in the church, but taught counterfeit, taught that God was not good. They communicated corruptness. They said, yeah, God's pretty good, but not all good. You got to keep the law. You got to do the right things. You got to be one of our group. You got to swear allegiance to us, because if you don't, then God won't be good to you. And Paul says, no, 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 that grieves the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. He wrote to another one of his churches about this, 2 Corinthians eleven four. 4. He said, beware of those who communicate a false pseudo-Jesus and a false pseudo-gospel. A Jesus and a gospel that's pretty good, but not really. Now, back to Ephesians four thirty one. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and slander and evil speaking be put away with you, along with all malice. Now, of course, Scripture always has multiple levels of meaning. Yes, that includes to not be bitter or full of wrath or angry about other people or slander them, that kind of thing. Don't, you know, malice means to intentionally try to cause pain or energy or distress to somebody. I said, no, no, don't do that. Slander is making a false statement that damages a person's reputation. Of course, that's true with us and other people. 
But that's not the key thing, what he's talking about here. The deeper spiritual meaning here is put away. Now, get this. Please get this. Please get this. Put away to never use again any communication about God that gives even a hint that God can be bitter, have wrath, be angry, be evil. Put away any false teaching about a false Jesus and a false gospel. It's not all good. Those are not true. Those are lies. When you tell lies about somebody, you slander them. When you tell lies about God, you slander God. That's corrupt communication. Don't do that. Paul told them then, and it's true today. Don't even entertain a thought that God is not good. Don't tell people that God is not good. And for heaven's sake, don't tell little children who are so impressionable that God's not good, he's going to get them, that they're born sinners, that they're depraved. Don't do that. That's corrupt communication. Instead, the last verse of Ephesians 4.32, instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. So in our person-to-person relationship, sure, be kind and tenderhearted and compassionate and forgiving because that's what God, who is good, does with us. Folks, I'm so excited to be learning more and more and more about God's goodness. God is good, better than we can ever imagine. God is only good. There's no trace of not goodness in God. And God is always good to all people all the time. You know what they call that? Good news. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Love you all. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.